You know, I'm always amazed at what uh, these different entertainment sites will call news. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like Trek movie is just as bad as Nerdist and anybody else for that matter. It's William Shatner still okay with never appearing in, with Chris Pine as two Kirks in a Star Trek movie. I mean, he's been saying that for years. <laughs> it just kills me. Star Trek, our favorite frontier. the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And uh, we are back. Episode three, season one, Lower Decks. We're going to talk about temporal edicts or temporal edict, not plural. Uh, <laughs> there's only one edict. There's, only, there's just and that, that is absolutely absolutely a fact. There's just the one edict that is <laughs> that is made clear in this episode. Uh, but before we jump into uh, temporal edict, Paul, uh, we found out earlier this week that uh, star of stage and screen Ben Cross passed away. Uh, Star Trek 2009 Sarek passed away this week. Uh, And, you know, we were talking before the show that, you know, I didn't realize he was in his 70s. He is perennially young to me. Uh, I, it blows my mind that, that he was in his seventies. Cause you know, Paul, I know that you were just a wee Paul at the time, but in 1991, he was Barnabas in the television remake of dark shadows. I watched that dark shadows remake. I think it only lasted one season. If yeah, I remember it, correctly, it, it wasn't on long. It was on, it was, you know, uh, it would take you longer to turn into a vampire than, uh, <laughs> than than the amount of time it was on. It was not on long, and it was not on long because it was not good. <laughs> I, I I remember enjoying it, but you know I yeah, was wee. But you were what three years old at the time? I was eleven. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know, he was in First Night, he was Sarek in Star Trek, he was in all kinds of TV and and film stuff. Uh, He was in a movie whose soundtrack I love, but movie I really can't stand, Chariots of Fire, uh, an Academy Award winning film that I just really don't care for. But uh, he is just sort of a staple, and and I'm sad. He's got movies that that were in pre-production. When oh really? He, when he died, yeah. I'm looking at his IMDb page now. Like, uh, the Devil's Light was currently filming. Uh, he in pre-production was uh, Resilient 3D, whatever that is. Liberty and Amanda wakes up, which is a TV series. So, uh, I mean, he was working right up to the bitter end. Yeah, I mean, he certainly had a prolific career. He was in a lot of blockbuster films a lot of iconic films and some not so iconic films yeah. lots of direct-to-dvd stuff um you know tv series things like that but you know things I, like he, randy cunningham ninth grade ninja <laughs> just like <laughs> but you know he always had a distinctive uh 
you know, personality on the screen, and I, I did enjoy seeing him in the things that I did view him in. Well, and I always thought that he was the perfect cast for Sarek in the mm-hmm. 2009 uh, Star Trek film. Because there's one thing, regardless of the quality of the production he was in, uh, he always brought a certain level of dignity to whatever character he was playing. You know, there was always yeah. just this this presence about him, this this uh, uh, um, you know weight to his performance. And I, I always admired that about Ben Cross because he immediately brought the quality line up to whatever he was he was in. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm gonna miss that about him. I yeah, I just I hate I hate to see that he's gone. I hate that. I really do. I think it's sad. I do too. Well, you know we are. I know this is loosely um, Star Trek related, only really because it's Paramount. But Aaron, we are a scant one. Well, what what are we recording this on? August twentieth. Uh-huh. So uh, in about a week and a half, we can say screw the Star Trek. And start having our Yellowstone season three discussion. <laughs> it's Yellowstone with Aaron and Polly. Yellowstone with Aaron and Polly. I feel like there's a market for that. I'm just putting that out there because um, <laughs> it's a very popular show, and they have podcasts and like you know stuff like that about it. Huh. Uh, you know, so Jen and I were tonight, right before this podcast, we finished off our our latest binge. Uh, addiction, which was Kingdom on Netflix, and I'm referring to the M- the MMA show starring Frank Grillo yeah. and uh, Kylie Sanchez, not the uh, medieval Kingdom show because there's two shows called Kingdom. I think this right. one's just called Kingdom. The other one's called The Kingdom. Um, so we, we we just finished the last episode right before podcasting. Uh, Jen cried all the way through it, 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 <laughs> it. <laughs> um, but it is it, I, I think it is an excellent excellent show and we had this goal when we started it I was like I feel like if we time it well we can wrap this thing up just in time for Yellowstone season three to end and for us to watch that and bam here we are so when does the last episode of Yellowstone air uh, not this Sunday, which I believe is what the twenty third. Mm-hmm. Um, next Sunday, the thirtieth is the okay. the final episode of season three of Yellowstone. So, technically, so you got some breathing room. Yes, a little bit of breathing room. And technically, should I be feeling the bug? It, I can. We can start watching it and just you know make those nine episodes last <laughs> until the thirtieth, and then just watch the season finale like everybody else. I don't right. know that we'll do that. We'll see. Very nice. Very yes. nice. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it is not related to Star Trek at all, but you know, we're, we're not recording funny books until Sunday. So I, I wanted to get it off my chest. <laughs> well, very important. Very important. And, you know, uh, tangentially, since you did, since you did invoke the name <laughs> of funny since, books, since I opened it up. That's right. Uh, be sure and check out this week's, uh, uh, episode of funny books. Cause we'll be talking about DC's fandom. Uh, in which uh, we will enjoy somewhere in the order of eight or nine hours mm-hmm. of DC-related uh, informational content this Saturday. And we'll t- tell you all about it when we record Sunday uh, to be released uh, sometime Sunday night, Monday morning, most likely. Uh, so be sure to check that out because it, uh, it is going to be uh, uh, quite awesome, I think. Yeah, definitely. You know, do a search on your favorite podcast provider for funny books with Aaron and Polly, or you can go to iomgeek.com and listen there. Um, ton, we're gonna. I would 
gen or genuinely recommend checking it out. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about things like uh, Ben Affleck returning as Batman and and the Snyder Justice League and Black Adam and Suicide Squad and all sorts of fun stuff. So definitely check that out. I, I'm. I know I'm very excited to be discussing it, and we'll talk about that, my plans for DC Fandom, when we actually uh, meet on Funny Books. But today, Aaron... Yes, sir. Today, we're going to discuss the Temporal Edict. You mean Season 1, Episode 3, Temporal Edict? Correct. Of Star Trek Lower Decks, um, which I'm going to start this conversation, Aaron, by saying, I believe... This may have been my favorite episode thus far of Star Trek Lower Decks. I would completely agree. I would completely agree. And in fact, I it felt more like a Next Generation episode than either of the previous two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it opened up with the title card and uh, the, the 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 way that the ship is is moving along. In fact. Uh, <laughs> You know, a lot of what what this show does is takes a lot of the tropes of Star Trek and sort of turns it on its ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what it did here is it uh, started off with that that thing that we were so used to in Next Generation, which was the recital. You know, somebody mm-hmm. playing their their violin or the 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 uh, four piece chamber orchestra. You know, uh, I I I used to always sit there and go, you know. Why are these people in the 24th century playing, you know, music from the 16th century, the 15th century? Why are they? Why, why is there nothing fresher than that? Um, and so I, I was thrilled when Boimler is up there, you know, hacking away on his violin, and Mariner comes in and ushers him away with her uh, great big electric guitar and uh, uh, Tendi on keyboards. I just loved it. And the and the fact that you know the the ship is reverberating with the deep bass of her performance, uh, such that you know uh, the Cerados is facing off against a Klingon bird of prey, <laughs> and you're like, what is the, what is the meaning of this bass? You know what 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 is this thrumming bass all about? Is this some sort of insult? And uh, they're like, oh oh no, that that must be your ship. That we don't hear anything over here. Meanwhile, her glass is shaking on the arm of the captain's chair, and. So, and, you know, the, the, the captain of the Klingon ship turns around to his engineer and he's like, today you die. <laughs> I, I was I was cracking up. I thought that was great. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Well, I think, you know, from from a, a broad standpoint, one of I think what I enjoyed most about this episode or what set this episode apart from the prior two episodes is that they genuinely incorporated the bridge crew instead of just focusing on the lower decks. They incorporated the captain. They incorporated the first officer um, into the main storyline a lot more than they have in previous episodes. And I don't know. For me, that that worked. And I don't. You know, it, I know the show's called Lower Deck, so I don't anticipate that to continue. Um, but seeing that interaction, seeing how the decisions of the captain, which I'm sure Aaron's going to go over here in a second, affect the lower decks and 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 that kind of stuff. I liked that. I liked that a lot about this episode. It, it 
very much reminded me of, like you said, of a of a next generation episode, and that we're not just focusing on the lower decks; we're focusing on the bridge crew and the effects they have on those in engineering or security or whatever. Well, and you know, last week we talked a lot about how distinctive the A and the B story were. Uh, it, it, I did not feel that those the A and the B story this time around were that distinctly. Uh, paired from each other, you know they, that they were that they were separated from each other. Um, I, they felt very interwoven, and I did did not find myself liking one over the other. Um, yeah, it all felt like one piece. Right, yeah, there wasn't a story and a B story ish, but they were so closely connected. Yeah, um, it really was just kind of like. It was much better interwoven than the previous episodes, for sure. Well, and, you know, in a traditional Star Trek episode, the junior officer would be learning something from the commanding officer. And, you know, in true Lower Decks fashion, the senior officers learn something from their junior officers. And, you know, uh, the junior officer, Mariner, who who seems rather boneheaded uh, or, you know, rather... uh, you know, stubborn actually learns something from, you know, the commander who, you know, uh, does not seem, you know, like a teachable kind of guy. He doesn't seem like he does not seem someone who's going to be too instructive. Right. Uh, but yet he was, and I, I, I really enjoyed how he wasn't just a buffoon. And that was, you know, kind of my, one of my early comments in episode one, it was that, you know, there's so many, I, I feel like these guys are all rather buffoonish, uh, it's nice to see them actually have some some merit in their in their characters. Um, you know, the the show opens up with the captain. Uh, she is going to be leading off a summit on Cardassia Prime, and you know she's been she's been working on her speech, getting ready for you know all those sort of cultural things that Captain Picard would learn before he went to, on some diplomatic mission. And it gets canceled. They decided they're not going to do it on Cardassia Prime. The Cardassians are creeping everybody out, so they're going to do it on Vulcan, and they don't need her anymore. And you know, so so that kind of kicks off you know the the captain's drive to really tighten up the ship because if the ship was 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 more efficient, if everyone was doing what they're supposed to be doing it when they're supposed to be doing it, this kind of crap wouldn't happen. Cerritos wouldn't have the reputation that it does, and uh, you know, thus hijinks ensue. And I really liked that part of it. I liked the the oh man, I've really been busting my ass to learn this stuff. What I'm not going. <laughs> I, I I thought that was really well done. I am really getting getting a groove on this show, and Paul, I don't know if you noticed or not, but the the orchestration, the soundtrack to the show was terrific. This episode, it's funny, I didn't. Uh, well, and it's probably because I'm listening to it with headphones on, but the there were so many dramatic swells of music uh, that I was just really impressed with the quality of the orchestration. Uh, and the quality of the sound design and the very distinctive sounds of, you know, when the ship is in warp. I mean, it sounded like a next generation episode. Huh. You know, it's funny. I, I if it was so it just kind of melded into the episode, which I guess is t- to your point. You know, I didn't watch it with headphones. I watched it on my TV. And, you know, they always say that the the music shouldn't override what happened in the program. I just really enjoyed the episode for and there was nothing negative that I could say about the episode. I loved that the, the whole point of the episode is that the Cerritos has a bad rep. And part of it is that they, they, it's inefficiently run and it's inefficiently run because the, the lower decks crew or most of the crew really 
has this concept of buffer time, right? Which we all do in real life. And, <laughs> you, you know, like, how long is that going to take you? Uh, I can get it to you by the end of the week. And it may only take you, like, 15 minutes. Right, you yeah. know? No, absolutely. You, you build in that buffer time. Because... Well, and it, it, it's, that, it's that whole uh, Scotty thing, right? Where, you know, don't tell, don't tell the captain how long it will really take you to do the job. You've got to triple the time so that you keep your reputation as a miracle worker, right? Exactly. I and mean, that, is, that is traditional <laughs> Star Trek. And so the captain finds out about this buffer time, and she she's calling bullshit on that. She wants folks, uh, she wants folks, uh, you know, doing stuff when she wants it done. So she sets up those timers, and there are timers all over that ship. That would be yeah. awful. That would be awful to ha- to have your your time clock. It'd be like working for Amazon, right? <laughs> and that was exactly what I thought when they started running the timers on everybody. I was like, oh my god, that's like working for Jeff Bezos. That's got to be awful. <laughs> and so everyone's going crazy, and unfortunately, because everyone's going crazy, things even go more awry. That's right. Um, you know, in- including uh, the- these peace talks that are supposed to happen down on the planet, and. Uh, uh, it's just for me. I don't want to ru- ruin the episode, but it just it's there's a lot of fun to it, and it all worked really well for I, me. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. It, it was like they had perfectly harmonized the dilithium crystals. That's how well <laughs> this worked. Uh, you know, the, the warp core was at 105 percent. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this episode as well. I, I, I sat there was going, I can't believe I like this better than the zombie episode. Yeah. You know, I mean, because I, I did, I I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed the dialogue with the, with the you know baddie aliens on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, so what How we're going to do? The ship. They just like go around the Cerritos tagging it. And if I recall like, correctly, it's a judgment crystal. Yes. A judgment crystal? Yeah, it's a really big crystal that we drop on you. When oh, you no, the, um, <laughs> the, it's something like that. Yeah. yeah. The adjudicator crystal. That's adju- what it yes. is. It was great. I loved it. I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin employing that immediately at work. <laughs> the, the adjudication crystal, yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I I got a big kick out of this episode. Big thumbs up. I, I, thought, yeah. I thought it was great stuff. Same here. And uh, next week's episode looks a lot like you know looks like a lot of fun too. It looks like we'll get a little bit more on the um, Mariner and her mother uh, relationship, including you know, the the don't give me that sarcastic Vulcan uh, salute. Yeah. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the things that you would expect mothers to say in the 24th century. Exactly. Yeah, I, I dug it. Great episode. Can't wait to see next week. And Paul, that's next week is going to put us exactly midway through the run of Lower Decks. Wait, no. There's yeah. 10 episodes, right? Eight. Aren't there's only eight episodes of Lower Decks? No, you're right. There's 10 of these and 13 of, uh, of uh, Discovery. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Starting to worry me. I know, right? Sorry. Okay, so we're not even halfway yet. Let me just correct. No. We're not even halfway yet, Paul. We're just at a third ish of I, the I, way there. I do think it's rather impressive that, you know, contrary to the way most Star Trek runs, they're three episodes in, and I really think that they've they've found their chemistry. They did in the in the, in the third episode. But I think part of that is uh they had a, a clear direction going in, maybe. I don't know. Did, um, have you watched the Ready Room episode that they did with uh, Will Wheaton? No. Do you watch those? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, they're, they're only doing, like, I guess two of these, maybe three, uh, for this season. So they did the one after the first episode, uh, mm-hmm. which in true 
uh, CBS All Access style, I could not find it until the second episode, even though oh, okay. it was released with the first episode. But they didn't successfully link it <laughs> to Lower Decks until the second week. Um, but apparently they're going to do another one, I think, after the sixth episode, something like that. They're going to do something mid-season, and then maybe they'll do something at the end. But he interviewed the showrunner uh, and the designers, etc., and it was actually a, a rather informative interview. It's about a half an hour long, uh, longer than the than the usual Ready Room episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was very informative. So if you're if you're interested in that kind of thing, check it out. I know I Paul just isn't because it's I'm got, not. But, it's got a quill in it. But uh, <laughs> but you know I, I'm looking at the uh, the CBS All Access app, and I didn't realize they have like a bunch of um, of extras, like including Lower Decks creator and cast talk season one, yep. meet the crew. Uh, Easter eggs, storyboard to final animation. That stuff seems kind of interesting. Okay, I do want to I, I do, thank you for bringing it up. I, I have meant to talk about this in previous weeks. When it's plainly right there on the screen and people talk about it, it's not a goddamn Easter egg. It's an <laughs> Easter egg if you have to find it. But, you know, mentioning Captain Kirk in the episode, and they're going, it's an Easter egg. No. That's not no, an Easter egg. I wouldn't that, call that an Easter egg. That would yeah. be that that's Easter eggs are hidden. That's that why correct. they're called Easter eggs. That is correct. You have to find them. They're not just presented to you. Look, here's your Easter egg. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a reference. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just dialogue. It, so, it really has annoyed me. In fact, uh, a lot of the uh, the uh, fan websites are making a lot of hay out of r- check out all of these Easter eggs in the recent episode of Lower Decks, and they're all just things people said. <laughs> 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 like you guys suck. Well, Aaron, I'm going to give you a little bit of trivia that maybe oh, you knew because no. you're a researcher guy, and I it's am, not an Easter egg. I am. I am a. I am professorial in my <laughs> researcher skills. Well, you know, we had previously talked about how Jack Wade, who plays Ensign Boiler, mm-hmm. it was also in uh, or is currently. Also he was also in Meg Ryan, you know, because that's his mom. OK, well, that's was where that- I was going to go with this. <laughs> I, didn't realize, I, I was going to say he was in The Boys, but uh, but I was going to follow it up by saying I did not realize he was the son of Dennis Quaid and actress Meg Ryan. You did, too. But you knew that. Last you week. Did that. We did? Yeah, we talked about that last week. I don't feel like we talked about that. I think yeah. we talked about the boys. I don't know that we talked about Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. We did. did we? we had a whole conversation about it, Paul. I edited that episode. I am familiar with what I'm talking about. Well, and I do just throw up, like, I do throw up like air quotes the, around editing. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, just like the boiler rule or whatever, the boiler – what do they call the, the Boimler the edict. The Boimler effect. Was it effect just or like edict? The, I think it was Edict. Edict, I think you're right. Yeah. Just like the Boimler Edict, I put in the least amount of effort. That's so Dude, that <laughs> I don't is, need to remember that is things. Absolutely correct. <laughs> you Minimum. are here to remind me of the things that we <laughs> talked about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to know what uh, what else Paul ha- doesn't remember from prior episodes. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number once again 972-763-5903 and if we use your voicemail on the show you'll win a coveted valuable ideology of madness surprise. And it would be really helpful for me if you would go onto our social media channels, IOM Geek, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, sometime around next Wednesday morning, and remind me of everything that we talked about in this episode before <laughs> next week's episode. And maybe if we can get some fan-generated show notes. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Excellent. We'll see you all next week, guys. Take care. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. 
Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 